Everybody happy? Yes. What you want to do now? Pray. Huh? You want to just have a short service? I can just release you and let you go right now. Uh, let's not. Uh, turn to uh, Romans, the uh, seventh chapter. Actually, the eighth chapter, excuse me, Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 5. Romans 8, 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I intended to finish up on part of the series, but instead last Friday was led to just spend the whole time virtually talking about dealing with and controlling the mind. Spiritual people control their own minds. Spiritual people control their flesh. They control their desires. Spiritual people control their temper. They control their feelings. Spiritual people control their mouth. Spiritual people control their minds. When you're strong spiritually, you have a strong grip and control on all your being. You're not out of control. You're in control. How many believe Jesus was in control? All the time? All the time. You know, one of the perfect examples of this, sometimes people leave the impression that if you're real spiritual, then you couldn't get mad. Well, that's not true. Did Jesus ever get mad? Yeah. The scripture says, you remember, be ye angry, Ephesians says, be ye angry and what? And sin not. Well, if being angry was a sin, it's too late. It's not a sin to be angry. But when you get angry, you can sin. Right? (laughs) If you don't control yourself. And there's no such thing as somebody that can't control themselves. I said, there's no such thing. No such thing as somebody that can't control their temper. We've said this before, but it'll bear repetition. You know, you see guys get mad, slap their wife around, get mad and kick the dog. And you talk to them and they say, I I get so mad. I just don't know what I'm doing. I just lose control. And you take that same guy and get him real mad and put him beside a 6'5", 300-pound football player. And some way or another, he can control himself to keep from slapping this big guy. Huh? Nah. He can get, people do what they can get away with. Ain't no such thing as somebody can't control their temper, can't control their mouth. So, uh, we talked about, you know, controlling the mind. The spiritual man is in control of his faculties. Jesus got mad, but he was in control. You'll find, I won't take the time to do it, but if you go through the gospel account of where he came into the city and he saw the money changers sitting and he saw that that day he did nothing. He saw it and he turned around and left. And the next day came back. And overturned the tables, and uh, drove out the money changers with a whip. See, how many understood he was mad the first day when he walked in, it hadn't changed. He saw that it upset him, but just because you get upset doesn't mean you start doing stuff. He got direction to do that. He was led to do that. He didn't just get mad and fly off the handle. He did that on purpose. Said everybody said out loud, I'm in control. Of my feelings. I'm in control. Of my temper. I'm in control. Of my desires. I'm in control. Of my mouth. Amen. The spiritual man or woman is in control. Of all their faculties. Now uh, go with me if you would to the book of Galatians. And let's read this. Galatians and the fifth chapter. Galatians 5 and verse 16. Notice how this starts off. Galatians 5, 16. He said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Everybody read that out loud together with me at least a couple of times. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's say it two more times. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. One more time. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How can you keep from giving in to your flesh? Walk in the Spirit. How can you keep from just giving in to a habit? Walk in the Spirit. And you won't fulfill. You won't give in. That's good news, isn't it? Can we walk in the Spirit? Yes, we can. And it's not as hyper-spiritual as some people. doesn't mean you're halfway in a trance all the time. What it means is what we've been talking about all these weeks, that the man on the inside is in control. Amen. Amen. Let's keep reading. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Have you ever experienced that? Huh? Flesh pulling you one way. The spirit inside pulling you another way. Know, maybe know what you should do on the inside. Wind up doing something else. Maybe know you shouldn't do it on the inside, but wind up doing it anyhow. I'm not going to ask for testimonies, but anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've seen other people like this or heard about this. Now we all have the same, exactly the same flesh and your flesh did not get born again. Your flesh is the same flesh that you had before you got saved. And it'll do the same things it did before you got saved if you let it. Why do people keep giving in? That's the question we've been asking. Why do people keep giving in? They just, as we say, swear up and down. I'm not going to overeat like that again. And then the very next meal, eat twice as much. Hmm? I'm not going to lay up in bed and sleep too late and mess around. I'm going to get up and do that. I'm going to get up and clean out the closet and, and I'm going to organize the kitchen and I'm going to fix the yard and three months pass and still laying on the couch watching the TV. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it, but not do it. Maybe somebody have a problem drinking, start drinking and just drink and get drunk and Get sick and say, I'm not, you know, please, God, if you'll help me get through this, I'm going to do this again. Very next weekend, drunk again and again and again, using drugs, whatever the case might be. You know, the scripture said, we've read this before, but 1 Corinthians uh, 10, in fact, just turn back there and look at it. I could quote it, but turn back there and look at it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He said, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. One translation says, there is no temptation irresistible. Now see, one of the biggest problems, that now there is chemical things that go on when people are addicted to drugs. If it's nicotine, if it's alcohol. If it's speed, methamphetamines, whatever it is, there is chemical thing going on. But you know, the biggest block and hindrance is that people believe they can't resist it. And it's not true. You name any addiction in the world, there are people that have kicked it. Amen. Many of them. And the first thing you've got to do. Is believe in your heart and say with your mouth, I can kick this. I don't care how impossible it feels. I don't, it doesn't matter if every pore of your being is screaming for that substance. I mean, it can be as simple as a cup of coffee. Huh? I'm not saying drinking coffee is wrong. You know, I, like this, I had a fellow come to me one time and he said, uh, Brother Moore, he said, uh, 
I just wanted to ask you about something. He said, uh, you think drinking coffee is wrong? I said, it depends. Not just in and of itself, no. I mean, I drink coffee sometimes myself. He said, well, I think it's hurting me. I said, you do? He said, I said, how much are you drinking? He said, oh, at least 10, 12 cups a day. <laughs> he said, and I think it's a hurting me. Yeah. Well, now listen, he believes it's hurting him, yeah. right? right? He says it is. Right. What should he do? Well, this ain't complicated, <laughs> right? <laughs> he believes it's hurting him and it probably is. He should quit. But again, he'd start to quit and he's so used to doing it. I mean, you know, he just makes pots of coffee and drinks it without even thinking about what he's doing. And every time his arm comes up, his mouth flies open and it's just automated, you know. But uh, why is he having such a tough time with it? One of the biggest things is that he believes he can't. Now, I've said this before, but it'll bear repetition. Your words and your faith can change anything in your life. I said anything. Somebody said, yeah, but I got a chemical dependence. I got a chemical imbalance. I don't care. It went from good to wrong. It can go from wrong to good. Hmm? Don't underestimate your God. Don't underestimate his healing power. I've seen too many things that people thought was too far gone. See, they've been clean and free for years now. I know a man right now. He experimented with every drug. I mean, he did it so far that he had destroyed so many brain cells. He was just childlike in a bad way. He just wasn't all there. He fried himself. I mean, he dropped too much LSD. He shot too much uh, uh, heroin. He just did too much, and he was just kind of funny, kind of goofy. You know what I'm saying? That was 25 years ago. Now he's a pastor of a large, successful church, just as sharp as anybody, sharp as anybody you ever wanted to talk to. He was in and out of, you know, rehab centers and every kind of stuff, and come out using till he met Jesus. And he learned about faith. And he began to say some things with his mouth. And he began to confess that he could kick this. And he could be clean. And even when his mind was fuzzy and he couldn't focus and concentrate, he'd say out of his mouth, I have the mind of Christ. He's given me a sound mind. I'm bright. I'm sharp. He's made me of quick understanding. And he's a sharp guy today. I guarantee if you saw him, you'd never think. He was sitting on the side of the street, not able to concentrate. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. If you can begin to say it, even though it doesn't feel like it, even though it looks like the furthest thing from the truth, you give the Lord what he needs. You give him an open door to begin to work in your life. Even when it seems like you're powerless against the thing, open your mouth and say, I'm beating this. I will live free from this. I will overcome. Amen. Say it when it feels like it's not true. Say it when it looks like it's not true. I had a fellow years ago come up to the podium after ministry. He was crying. He said, Brother Keith, could you help me? I said, if I can, I will. He said, I want to quit smoking. He said, and I've tried and I've had everybody in there, brother and preacher, pray for me and lay hands on me. And I've thrown away truckloads of cigarettes only to go buy more. I said, do you really want to quit? He said, I want to quit. I said, will you do what I tell you? He cried, started crying again. He said, I've already thrown them away and I don't know. what." I said, no, no, you can do it if you will. It's easy. He said, what? I said, I want you. Every time you go into a store and buy a carton of cigarettes and you walk out of the store, I want you to hold them up and say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from these. He said, yeah, but I just bought them. I said, I know. 
I said, when you take out a pack and you bump it and you tear off the top and you get one out, I want you to hold it up and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I'm free from these. He said, yeah, but I'm about to smoke. I said, I know. When you light it up and you take a drag, in between drags, I want you to say, thank you, Lord. I'm free from these. I'm free from nicotine. I'm free. From the, he said, but I'll be smoking. I said, I know it. You've been smoking, hadn't you? This ain't nothing new. <laughs> he said, yeah, but I, if I'm smoking, how am I free? I said, you don't have to figure it out. Will you just do what I tell you to do? Will you just say, I'm free? How many understand this is scriptural? This is biblical. Yes. Hmm? Let the weak say, strong. I'm strong. Faith, Romans 4.17, calls those things that be not as though they were. Get your words working for you. I said, when you lay down at night and you pull that package of cigarettes out of your pocket and you lay it on the nightstand, I said, you lay there and say, thank you, Lord, for setting me free from cigarettes. I am free from cigarettes. I'm free from smoking. And just lay there and thank him and thank him and thank him. He looked at me puzzled. I said, are you going to do it or not? He said, I've tried everything. I said, well, do this. Just about two and a half weeks later. I saw him. He came in the service. You didn't have to ask. He was lit up. His face was shining. He said, I'm free. He said, I ain't had a cigarette in a week. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm free. He said, I said that night and day for what was it, a week and a half or two? And he said, I was standing on the street corner about to take another drag. And it just dawned on because every, between every drag, I'm saying, thank you, Lord. I'm free from this. And he said, strength came up in me. Did you hear that? He said, something came up in me. And I put it out, and that's the last one. Glory to God. You know, it's like people that think that they got to get to be good to be saved. If you could clean yourself up, you wouldn't need Jesus. Amen. Got all kind of people. Well, you know, one of these days I'm going to quit fooling around, quit cussing and quit doing this. And I'm going to get clean myself up and then come be a Christian. <laughs> if you could clean yourself up, you wouldn't need Jesus. You come like you are. Amen. Amen. And confess him as your Lord and confess salvation when you look and feel unsaved. Confess forgiveness and cleansing and righteousness when you feel unclean. What will happen to you? When you believe on Him. Amen. And you begin to confess His Lordship over your life. Power comes into you. You're changed. You're clean. Now I'm not just saying this just to be talking. There are people in here right now. You've struggled with stuff. You know, what do I do? I've tried out. People look at me and say, I've tried everything. People that want to lose weight say, I've tried everything. And you haven't done this. I said, you haven't done this. You begin to say it out loud. Now, don't say something that you don't believe, but begin to say something. I'm reaching this goal. Don't set timelines. Don't set deadlines and dates. I'm doing this. I'm losing 20 pounds of fat. Huh? I'm paying off every bill. I'm coming out of debt. Amen. So I don't see how. You don't have to see how. It's what faith is all about. Well, I've tried everything. You know, don't be a whiny baby. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Stand up. Say something with some faith. Amen. What are we going to do? Say it. Whatever it is that's been troubling you. Don't. Run off at the mouth and then get yourself in trouble and go fall in the corner and cry and say, Oh, what's wrong with me? I just opened my mouth. I won't shut up. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Just run my mouth and mess everything up. That's not going to help you. What should you do? Even if you just got through saying something dumb that you shouldn't have said, you get around the corner and say, I control my mouth. I control my mouth. Amen. I watch my lips. I control my words. I control my feelings. I'm in control of my temper. Get your words working for you. You'll rule through your words. Is it true if you believe a thing in your heart and you say it with your mouth that it can come to pass in your life? So start saying it now. Put your faith on it. Begin to say it.
Now I gave you, began to give you, seven spiritual principles to controlling the flesh. You remember that? And I've been trying to finish it for a few weeks now. But we keep going off on another track. And that's right. That's all right. But let me review just a little bit and then let's continue on unless we get led another way. Seven spiritual principles to controlling your flesh, or we might say to being spiritual. Number one is what? Make the word your final authority on every issue. Let the word be your final authority. If the word says it's sin, then it's sin. Forget about public opinion. Forget about what the world... If the Bible says it's sin, then what do you say? It's sin. If the Bible says it's bad, then you agree with it and say it's bad. If the Bible says it's good, then it's good. If the Bible says it's unacceptable, then you say it's unacceptable. Let the, if the Bible says to do it, then you can do it. Don't say you can't. If the word says you have it, then agree with the word. Amen. Let the word be the final authority. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You remember the centurion that came to uh, Jesus? And actually another writer tells that he sent messengers to Jesus. And want him to come and minister to his servant. And uh, he said, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. In other words, you don't have to come to my house. You don't have to pray for him. You don't have to lay hands on him. You don't even have to see him. Just say the word. Is that how the Lord operated Is that how we're to operate? Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus was impressed with this man's faith. This is a soldier. This is a rough, tough guy. This is not a guy that spent most of his time in church, but he understands something about authority, and that's key to faith. He looked around and said, I hadn't seen faith like this in the whole nation of Israel. Look at this man's faith. Why? Because he said, all I need is a word from you. That's all I need. Hmm? He said, go your way. Your servant's healed. He said, thank you. And he left. Hadn't seen anything. Hadn't felt anything. Did he get results? Yeah, he did. Servant was raised up, healed, delivered. But see what the problem is, you got so many Christians now, loose, feeling dominated, not good soldiers, shoes are not shined, uniform unbuttoned, disheveled. Come up begging. Oh, please, Captain of my salvation, please heal me. Please, please. He says, you're healed, soldier. Oh, I know you said that, but I still hurt. Please, please. Do something, please. You got to do something. Poor soldier. No respect for authority. Be a good soldier. Amen? What would a good soldier do? Permission to be healed, sir. He says, soldier, you are here. Thank you, sir. And that's it. But see, that's not it with most people, is it? Did the Lord say you're healed? Have you got your orders? Did he say he'd supply all your needs? You need something else? You're going to sit there and be, oh, please, captain. I know you said that, but I still feel bad. Let the word Be your final authority. If the word says you're healed, you're healed. The word says you're righteous, you're righteous. If he said your needs are met, your needs are met. And if you'd agree with him, you're not letting your feelings govern you. You're not letting what you see govern you. You're not letting what you hear govern you. You're being spiritual. Number one, let the word be the final authority. Number two, honesty and humility. Going to get results, you got to admit why you are the way you are. Hmm? Admit what's wrong. Don't believe lies. Like I said, you know, I got a few extra pounds that I'm uh, focusing on getting off this year. Not a resolution, lifestyle change. And I'm not confused as to why those 20 extra pounds are there. It's not a mystery to me. I know exactly why they're there. And if you're going to make excuses, you're going to stay in a position of defeat. 
Doubt makes excuses. Well, you just don't understand, though. It's a slow metabolism. And it runs in my family. My mama had it. And her mama had it. And I just, you know, I can just look at that and gain five pounds. I wouldn't say that for large sums of money. Why would you put your words against yourself? Some people don't, but they don't believe in the power of their words, do they? Well, you don't understand. It's my lifestyle. I just can't, you know, the way I live, I just, you know, I'm too busy working and I just have to eat on the run and I just have to, you know, be happy with the body God gave me. God didn't give you them extra 40 pounds of fat. You gave that to yourself with Big Macs and Biggie size. <laughs> now, I'm not telling you what size to be. We've already been through all this. I'm not telling anybody what weight or shape or size to be. That's your business. I'm not going to tell you. You don't tell me what size you think I ought to be. And don't tell my wife what size you think she ought to be. That's our business. And, so, and you know, different people lack different Things. So, you know, if you're happy, great. Glory to God. But if you're not happy with yourself, why don't you change it? If I'm in control of myself, why don't I have myself the way I want myself? If you could just had your druthers, you could just say, this is what I want with my body. What size would it be? What condition would it be? Is it up to you? And, you know, we're talking about honesty now and humility. People try to put it off on the Lord. And they say, well, you know, he gave me this. This is the body God chose for me. No, God gave you a good body. If something's wrong with it, you can be healed. Amen. Amen. But you take anybody, and if it's maximized... You know, there's not that much difference between you and the movie stars or the people on the magazine covers and people say, well, I know you need glasses now, Brother Keith. There's not, there's not that much difference between you and them. Thing is, they maximize what they have and they believe they're beautiful. Just by believing you are, it causes your face to have a different structure. Amen. It does. Causes you to carry yourself a different way. God did not shortchange you. He did not give you a bad deal. Most people just have failed to appreciate what they've been given. And have not been good stewards of what they've been given. Our physical bodies are the finest and the most precious physical possessions we will ever have. There's nothing that compares to this body God's given us. Hmm? And yet you got all kind of people that spend all kind of time on their house, but ignore their body. Spend all kind of time on their car and their horse and their this and their that and their boat, but ignore that treat their body like dirt. Let's thank God for what we have. Amen. Amen. Let's take care of it. I believe I can do better. What about you? No condemnation, just wisdom and direction, faith to do better. You know, I had a student in school years ago. He was about, he was about 400 pounds, I think. And he'd been really heavy all his life. I mean, he wasn't that tall of a guy. And uh, he was in school there training to be a minister. And this thing, I mean, he had seriously thought about taking his life several times over this deal. Just believed he could not change it. And he, uh, you know, eventually came to the conclusion that he had a spirit of gluttony that was controlling him that he couldn't get free from. That's what he believed. And it was interesting that he came in class, my class, and I didn't know him, but he's in my class, and I'm talking about some of these things, and we went, and I just stopped in front of him, didn't even know it, but I was right in front of him, and I said, you don't have a spirit of gluttony. You have power in Jesus' name to control yourself. Amen. Believe it. Say it. Well, just an hour later, he was in Brother Hagin's class. And Brother Hagin said, you don't have a spirit of gluttony. (laughs) Same thing. Well, he got the message that day. 
And he left and said, I do not have a spirit of gluttony. I can control myself. He started with his words. It doesn't start with your waistline. It doesn't start with your pocketbook. It starts in your heart. Amen. He began to say it. Over the next, I guess it was the next year and a half or so, he lost over 200 pounds. I saw him. This was, he's out of school at this time and I was going to the airport. He was driving one of those airport shuttles. Looked like a totally different person. I didn't recognize him. At this point, he had lost over 250 pounds. Looked good. He was so happy. He said, Brother Keith, you don't know this, but he told me the story. Because I didn't know who I was talking to that day. And he said, I've lost that weight. I've kept it off. This is over a year now. And he said, he, I'm engaged to be married. I said, you are? He said, she's pretty. I said, glory to God, brother. I saw him five years later. He lost even more. Nice looking. Married to a beautiful young woman. And all things are possible to him or her that believes. Don't believe a lie. Don't believe that you're bound or limited or locked into any poor situation. You're not locked into poverty. Are you? You're not. God hasn't ordained and decreed that you be poor and broke all your life. Mm -mm, It's not his will. Say it out loud with me. All things things are possible possible to him that believes. Now, number three and four, did we talk about that? Excuse me, four and five. Hmm? Yeah, I believe we introduced them and began to talk about them anyway. Desire and vision. Everybody say desire Desire. and vision. Go to Luke 14, please. We began to talk about this and we began talking about the mind and controlling the mind last week. Luke 14, are you going there? Am I saying it clearly enough that you you don't have to feel like you can do it? You don't have to see any progress. You don't have to have a clue as to how it could ever be possible. But if you'll begin to say it, hmm? if you'll begin to say it and begin to let that work in your heart, it'll open the door for God to give you the strength, give you the direction, give you the wisdom. But when you sit and cry and say it can't be done, you've shut the door to your help. Open the door to your help. Agree with him. He said it's possible. What do you say? It's possible. Possible for me to be trim and lean and in good shape and feel good about myself. Like what I see in the mirror. Is that possible? Huh? Possible me to pay off all my bills? Be completely out of debt and have plenty and write big checks for the offering? Is it possible? For you? Yeah, yeah. If you believe it. Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and does what? Counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Now we said there must be desire and vision. A lot of times, you know, I'll take pictures out of something I'm believing for or something like what I'm believing for. I'll cut it out and stick it on the refrigerator or put it on my desk or something so it keeps it in front of me. I keep looking at it. Amen. Because the job is not God getting it to us. He can do it. The job is getting it in us. That we can believe. Amen. That we can expect that it, not just that it would happen for somebody, but that it happens for us. Amen. A vision. A vision of prosperity. A vision of success. A vision. Maybe it's a certain dress you want to get in. Maybe it's a certain suit you want to get in. Maybe it's, you know, an accomplishment. Whatever it is. You want a boat. You want to write a big check and send to the mission field. Amen. 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 Before it's going to happen, you have to see you doing it in here, inside. Amen. Amen. See you doing it. And then begin to say, I'm going to do this. 
Now you don't tell everybody because not everybody understands these things. And there's no need in telling folk and them trying to talk you out of it and argue with you about it. You should be able to tell people here. Right. Amen. Amen. We'll agree with you. But you don't have to tell everybody. It's not them needs to be convinced. It's you. Don't argue with people about what you're believing for. It's not their faith that's the issue. It's yours. Are you convinced? Are you persuaded? Count the cost. What's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me to lose these 20 pounds? Hmm? Is it going to cost me anything? Yeah, it's going to cost me something. What's it going to cost me? Hmm? I know exactly what it's going to cost me. I've done this before. With me, I found out what works best for me. If I'll cut out the sugar, or at least cut it way back, and the night eating, if I cut out the night eating, because there's times I'll stay up late and study and read and mess around, and about midnight, time for a Dagwood sandwich. (laughs) Or whatever. And uh, that's all fine and good if you can't afford it. Did you hear me? If you're wanting to gain a few pounds (laughs) and you can't afford it, it's going to cost me some sugar stuff. Hmm? I'm going to have to pass by some pie instead of saying pass me the pie. Right, I'm going to have to pass by some cake. I'm going to have to cut out the sodas, candy bars and such. Huh? I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I know what it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me being a little hungry at night. Huh? But that just makes you wake up hungry, ready for a good breakfast. It's going to cost me. And instead of sitting around, laying around, I'm going to have to work out. Huh? Have to get on that treadmill and not just go for five minutes. It's going to cost me. But what if I don't do it? It's going to cost me. If I don't do it, it's going to cost me. Not feeling like I look my best. Not feeling my best. Not wearing those 32-inch pants. Or threes or whatever. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Not feeling lean. It's going to cost me that. It's going to cost me either way I go. What's the cost? Which price do I want to pay? I'm going to pay one of them. Which one do I want? Well, see, that comes back. That's the cost now. And that's vision. But it comes back to desire. Do I want it? Most people don't have stuff because they don't want it enough. They'd like for it to fall on them. (laughs) They'd like for somebody to lay hands on them and cast them calories out. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. (laughs) But they don't want it enough. When it comes time to sit down in front of the TV at 10 o'clock and that pizza's calling your name, it's just, well... We'll start next week. And then next week we'll start next week. And then a year passes and an extra 10 pounds. And, huh? And we're paying a price. You know, I, of course, this may not bless you, but you'll get over it. I, uh, a fellow who was... I forget what the word was for it, but he was over a certain department in a college. And he gave, because we talked about these things, and he gave me this information one time, and I don't know if I can quote it exactly right, but he studied human anatomy. And he said, I believe that for every extra one pound of unnecessary fat, your body has to produce somewhere around 40 to 50 miles of blood vessels to oxygenate that extra flesh. <laughs> now a lot of them are tiny and all like that. But if you put them all end to end. It's a bunch. 
And then your heart has to push that blood through that extra 40 miles of blood vessels. Well, what if it's 40 pounds overweight? Hmm? Or 100 pounds? You do the math. That's why doctors will tell you you're overloading your heart. You're overstressing your heart. You've got to get this off. Because, you know, it's working all your systems to oxygenate, nourish, and feed all that extra unnecessary luggage. And if it was just up to you, what would you have? Well, if you're in control, you should have that. Somebody say, I'm in control. If you're in control of your finances, if you could have what you wanted, what would you have? Hmm? You don't have to have a clue how it could happen. Start saying it right now. Amen? Start saying it right now. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have whatever it is. I'm going to have this. I'm going to get this. Amen? I'm going to have it. I'm going to do it. Begin to say it. It Even if you see no change in a week, don't be moved. Just say it. And say it. Time's passing anyway. And if you watch, you get your words working for you, you'll get spiritual laws beginning to work for you. Amen. Amen. New strength and new wisdom will come. Why? Because you're opening the door to your creator. You're agreeing with him for a change. You're saying, I can do this. I'll have this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you say amen? amen? Now, finally, the last two. Faith. And patience. Everybody say faith and patience. Go to the book of James, please. I'm commencing to start to get ready to quit. James, I've actually been talking about this all evening, but James chapter 1. Do you want it is the question. Do you want it enough to pay what it costs to get it? Hmm? I remember, we talked about this during week of increase, but several years ago, the Lord dealt with me because we were broke and broke and broke and got so tired of being broke. Thank God, I cried to the Lord and he began to show me what to do. And a lot of it was just up to me, things that I knew, but I wasn't really doing, wasn't acting on. And I saw I had not been really putting him first and that I was not, I had put myself, you know, the time to put God first is not after you sign all the loan papers. And max yourself out. Did you hear that? Which is what I had done. The time to put God first is when you're making decisions. Before you make commitments, you need to be able to look at things and say, No, now if I commit myself to those kind of payments, I can't give like I need to. I won't be able to give like I want to. Like I've got in my heart. So I'm not doing that. I'm putting that on the back burner. I'm doing this. And believe God to get me to the place. Well, I had a new car that had a big payment and I had a high insurance and we had some other stuff. And I saw the Lord dealt with me. He said, son, I don't care if you having that car. I don't care if you have 10. But you're not putting me first. You're putting that kind of stuff. Are you using your faith mostly to believe for your stuff? And then also afterwards trying to give something. You got your priorities mixed up. So we sold that thing and we sold something else. And I rode with Phyllis for a year and a half. And we sold other things and tightened our belt. I wanted it. I wanted to know that I was giving like I should be giving. That I had my priorities right. That I was in faith. But it caused something. Mm -hmm. Did you hear me? We quit being lax and loose with our finances. I required a fully detailed report at least once a week. Every week, man, I'd go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. I want to see what interest is on this and and what's the payoff on this and, and where's my faith at on this instead of just going, well, we just, you know, buy everything and believe God it'll be all right. No, the Bible said be diligent to know the state of your flocks. And it was uncomfortable and we didn't go out and eat like we were. We bought macaroni and cheese and stayed home. We're not playing poverty spirit. We're just getting our priorities right. And you know, it wasn't two years until the Lord, but less than two years, the Lord gave me a better car than what I had. And then it's paid for. Amen. Amen. And I'm giving like I'd never been given before. I got my priorities right. 
How many of sometimes just adding a bunch of stuff to you through debt is trying to act like you're at a place you're not at? And the Lord wants you to have all this stuff, but above all, what's the primary and the most basic principle of prosperity? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to There's a lot of people can quote that, but not nearly as many that are doing it. And do you want it? I wanted it. I wanted to be able to sit down and write a $100,000 check and put it in the church. I wanted to be able to pay somebody else's car off. I wanted it. Do you want it enough to pay the price? I did. It didn't happen overnight. But as you stay with it and you talk it and you believe it and you act on the leading of the Lord, it comes to pass. Do you want it? Enough to pay the cost. You're going to pay one way or the other. You understand that, right? Pay a good price. Get the highest results. In James, are you there? Once you know that you want it, once you've counted the cost, once you say, I'm willing to pay the price to get this. I'm willing to sweat. I'm willing to forego the night eating. I'm willing to skip pie and cake for a while. I'm willing. I'm willing to tighten my belt and sew extra and give extra. I'm willing. Once you do that and you got your words working and you're going down the right track, look in verse 3, James 1, 3. Well, verse 2. Count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works what? Does it work it? Yeah. But let patience have what? Her perfect work so that you'll be, you'll wind up how? Perfect or complete. What? Lacking, wanting, nothing. Can you get to the place? With your body, where you look in the mirror and you go, now that just suits me just fine. Huh? I'm happy. Can you? Looking at your finances and go, praise God, I'm happy. Huh? I want nothing. I lack nothing. I feel satisfied in my spirit. I'm doing what I ought to do. I have what I ought to have. I'm being what I should be. Once you start... Stay with it. Perseverance, patience is what causes you to wind up perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Anybody can make a New Year's resolution and try to starve themselves for two weeks. Hmm? That proves nothing. Anybody can get all stirred up, I'm going to pray half the night and I'm going to reach God and they do it for three days. Oh, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read the whole New Testament in a week. And then three months later, they hadn't read scripture in two months. It's not extreme, intense effort. It's not trying to break somebody's record. It's the steady, faithful, day in, day out. You see why I'm wanting you to read that chapter? Not just read a chapter, but every day. Every day, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of every week, of every month, of every year. Amen. Amen. And if you got your words going every day and you got your, your obedience going, your sowing, your giving going, that's what's going to make the difference. Things don't always happen overnight. They don't always happen in a month or two. But you find a person that will settle into this kind of lifestyle and just keep saying it and just keep doing it and just keep saying it and just keep doing it, it will come to pass. It will surely come to pass. It has to. It's the Word of God. It's the law of faith. God's whole throne backs it up. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, please. There's a lot more on my notes here, but that's a big plenty. Glory to God. I want us to say some things tonight. I want us to get started down the road. Close your eyes and say this out loud with me. This will apply to a lot of different areas. Say it out loud, Lord. Open my eyes. And give me the vision of what you have for me. Your fullness, your highest, your best that you've already given me. 
in Christ and that is available to me now in this life. Open my eyes to see it and my ears to hear it and my heart to receive it. Reveal to me, show me all that I can be, all that I can do, all that I can have in you. Show me the cost. Show me how to do it. Give me wisdom, direction, understanding. Give me strength inside myself. And I agree with you. I can do all things through my Lord, the Christ, who strengthens me. I can. I can. All things are possible to me as I believe. I say it. I believe it. I'll have it. I'll reach those goals. I'll do those things. I'll accomplish it to your glory in Jesus' name. Now put your hands up and begin to thank him by faith. Thank him for reaching that goal. Even though you may not see how in the world you could ever do that or reach that or have it. Just say thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for enabling us. Thank you for teaching us and strengthening us and bringing us to the place where this is a reality in our physical life. Thank you. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.